I'm Peter Jones, and welcome to The Foyne Jones Show. This podcast will be combining personality, passion, and our love of football, alongside industry and recruitment news. Our amazing guests will share their personal stories and also explain what they get up to when they're not at work. In today's episode, I'm joined by Michael Felipa of MF Consultancy Services. We're going to be talking about the changing face of merchanting, Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, a collection of 28 guitars, rock and roll, and the brilliant training, mixed delivering up and down the country for builders, merchants, big and small. Welcome to the Foyne Jones Show. Today I'm joined by Mick Philippa. I still call him Castle Mick. In my opinion, uh, the builders, merchants and the merchanting game in general is dangerously short of personalities. Um, the person in the studio with me today is probably one of the most engaging and infectious people from merchanting. And what he doesn't know about it probably isn't worth knowing. So, Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Peter. You flatter me, mate. I, I, I do my best, mate. Always a pleasure. <laughs> and uh, just going back to the old school, mate, you were, you were fantastically early, mate. An hour and a half early for the show, which is brilliant. I'd rather be an hour early than five minutes late, as you know. Uh, brilliant. So, so just very quickly, tell us who you are, Mick, and, and, what, what, and a little bit about yourself. Okay, I'm, I'm Mick Fenepa. I've been in the industry just over 40 years now. Um, I... I started off as a as a started off my career as a guitar player. Uh, was in a band. We were out out gigging, uh, and the um, record company, the other band on the record company, their single got to number one. So they dropped us, uh, and we had to find our own own way home from from Europe. So I went down to job centre and picked out the best card that was on the wall at the time, fifty five pound a week, and it was Fireman. And uh, put it on the table, and the fella says, "Okay, I'm a fireman. Why do you want to be a fireman?" And I said, "Because oh, it's fifty-five pound a week, mate. And all the other jobs are less." Apparently, that's the wrong answer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he sent me back to the wall. Go well, what get was the right answer? Did they tell you? Oh, to save lives. Yeah, yeah. Make it, didn't so, you? Uh, to make a difference and save lives. So uh, I went back to the wall and picked out the card that was fifty-four pound a week, uh, which was a yard server in a builder's merchant. I don't know what they do nowadays you, for, for, for interviews, and she showed me all your stuff that you do for, for selecting candidates nowadays, but back in my day, he was literally, okay, here's the address, go down there, and I went down there, and the fella said to me, are you from the job centre? That was my interview, that was one question, are you from the job centre? I said, yes. All right, you nailed that one, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I knew the answer. <laughs> I said, yes. And uh, he said, okay, off you go, there's a cement lorry over there, go and unload it by hand. So it was literally. Oh, they, was, they, they yeah. were off hundred weight then as they well, were bigger, mate, weren't they? They were hot. They were from the straight off the off the manufacturer's plant, and we had to jump up on the lorry. Right, it backed into this little cement shed. Jump on the lorry, pick up the bag, hot bag of cement, and jump literally from the lorry bed to the loading bay and and, and pack the bags of cement away. Uh, we had to make steps out of the bags of cement. Um, so as we could get them all in, and then you know, an hour and a half or whatever it was, how long it, long it took us to do that. Uh, oh, once we'd finished, the lorry pulled out, and another one pulled in. And I remember going home that night and thinking, oh god, what have I done? But, uh, but uh, it's the industry that does kind of grab hold of you. Uh, Brilliant, mate. Forty well, years later, I'm here to tell the tale. Well, we're gonna we're gonna talk yeah. about that journey, Mick. So you've yeah. you've told us how you arrived, but <laughs> talk talk us through those stages. You know what what you've done over the years. 
Well, I was, you know, like the first couple of years I was working in, in, in the yard, serving customers. And the most important thing to me at that time was mucking about with my mates. And I must have got sacked from five or six different merchants at that time. I was a real oik, right? Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, I really was. For those not watching in camera, I spat the coffee out there. <laughs> I really was bad news. I was the type of guy that I'd hate to manage now, right? Cheeky um, and just only up for a laugh at the time, right? Um, eventually, I, re I met the right manager. And for me, that's what it's all about. I mean, up to that point, I'd never really had, you know, my dad left when we were younger. So I didn't really have a father figure to look up to as such. Um, but I met this guy, I think he's still with TP now. Uh, he's a director at TP now. And uh, he did change my life. I remember him sort of calling me into the office one day and I thought, oh God, what have I done now? And I'm, I'm standing there racking my brains thinking, well, what have I done wrong? Uh, and he said, look, you said you left such and such a crowd to get on. And I'm, you know, the bubbles are coming out of my head thinking, no, I left there because I got sacked. But he said, uh, how do you fancy, you know, trying your luck on the tray counter? And I said, okay then, right. Um, so I went on the trade counter and I remember going back to me to my girlfriend at the time and at the end of that first day and she said, that was your first day at work. I don't understand what's going on. You know, what's, what's an invoice? I, don't, I think they're all talking in code. <laughs> I had absolutely no idea what was going on. But um, this guy had the, had the knack of just igniting that spark in me. And he got me interested in sales. You know, he got me interested in the, okay, a fella coming in for some plasterboards. Well, he's going to need some screws with that. Why don't you offer the screws and the add-on sales? And I, I really liked that. I got interested in it, right? And it, it made it fun. And he, I suppose the key thing was he recognised the effort I was putting in. And he, he, he told me. I saw what you did there. I saw you try or whatever, and and that fired me even more. It, it just really fanned the flame. Makes you feel ten foot tall, mate. Yeah, gives you a little bit of praise. Like Costs like nothing. Me. Means a lot to a little fellow like me. <laughs> so uh, means a lot to a big bloke like me. <laughs> Five and a half would have done me. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it got me interested, uh, and then I went onto the onto the telephones, and, and I, I used to lap it up. You know, if there was a promotion for a product or whatever, I'd be the one that would always be phoning around trying to push it because I took a bit of pride in it. Um, and then from there I went on the transport because I wanted to make customer service became a huge part of it I wanted to make sure that my customers were getting on time in full deliveries so I wanted a slice of the transport you know and with that came sort of basic people management and I'll tell you something that, that one of the drivers said something to me once it's just stuck with me all the way through my life right you know when they made me assistant manager and I was on transport at the time and I remember there was a driver there and he was a fantastic driver uh, and it, he said to me, Mick, when you're as good at your job as I am at mine, then we can have a 50-50 conversation. And my, my initial reaction was like, how dare you? I'm the assistant manager. Right? But I went away and thought about it, and I just thought, actually, he's an amazing driver. I'm a rubbish assistant manager. The man's right. Mm. And for me, it doesn't matter what your job is, as long as you do it fantastic, do it to the best of your abilities, um, so, so for me, you know, that, that's, I suppose, why I've ended up into training now, because I, I get, I train classes, anything from a guy who's got three weeks experience to a finance director in the same room, you know, really. But as long as I can raise that bar just a little bit more, we've always got, every day's a school day. You know, really. So, you know, I went from transport to, to assistant manager, to branch manager, to external sales. Um, and again, uh, when I was working for an independent at the time, Castle at the time, and we were bought by, by Dewson's, 
uh, at that time. Um, the former owner of Castle sold up and uh, came back and nicked 55 staff. I wasn't any better than any of the others, but I was the one that did nail me colours to the mast. And this is why it's so important to find the right company. You know, I felt I was working for the right company at the time. I nailed my colours to the mask and mask. And this is the industry where you can get to the top with a bit of common sense, good work ethic. Uh, and that's what you can get, you know, a little bit of knowledge, yeah, a little bit of common sense, but a great work ethic. And you can do really well in this industry. Um, and I, I really passionately believe that. If I think back, I mean, my best mate, is the same guy with, that started with me on the same day unloading them bags of cement. So it, that's why it's so you, important to me. So I'm so passionate I still about see, I still see a couple of the fellas that I work with yeah. um, in the yard at yeah. Travis Perkins in yeah. Fulham, around Fulham, around Putney, around some of the pubs and stuff yeah. like that. And, and I always stop and buy them a drink, say hello. Yeah. You know, and they're still kind of doing the same things. One mm. of them is, is still mm. still in the same business. Um, I mean, the branches have closed, but I think mm. if the branch hadn't closed, he'd still be doing the same job as well. Mm. But those relationships are, are really important. And you said something there which, which should resonate with absolutely every single person listening. Mm. Um, with the right attitude, the right personality, and, and the right work ethic, i.e., you know, trying to be the best you can be every day, mm. you can succeed mm. in the merchanting industry. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we, we come <laughs> on to that. I, I'm a walking, talking example of it. I've been, I've been smiling to myself. Mm. And, 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 you know, and, I, and, and that jerk where you are there, you know, you're, you're, you're a director there, you got mm. to that point. It's kind of where we first met. Now, now mm. I remember this. It was early doors, mm. it was ones of Bridge McDonald's. And, and, that's, and that's, that's where we met, mate. So was, yeah. that's, that's the glamour of the world we were in. We were both, both sales directors. Um, you was with the independent brand. I was with the main brand. And what, what I noticed straight, straight away about, about you, and I was envious, is that because you was with an independent, you could really be creative in terms of your marketing, your deals, the way you went to work. We had to be a little bit more controlled yeah. because we were, you know, we were part of the, uh, part of the national structure. Yeah. But that passion ignited so many and the, mm. and the, the, the loyalty it bred within people mm. was, was different class. So let's, let's, let's kind of just, just go a little bit, little bit away from work, all right? I want to go away from work now We talk about your, your other loves, all right? Because we, we know you love the Builders mer Merchant setup, but you also love a football club and you also love music. So we're going to go out interestingly, we're going to go in your love of music first of all. Okay. Um, I heard a rumour, or I've been told, that you've got more than one or two guitars, mate. I believe you've got 28, is that right? I have 28 guitars. How on earth does that happen, and where do you put them? <laughs> well, actually, since I moved uh, to where I live now, probably about 26 of them are still in their case yep. in, in one of the spare, spare rooms. Um, but my, yeah, that's, that's my, you know, my... My first love, I suppose, you know, is, as I say, I started off as a guitar player. I wanted to be a rock star. Uh, if you're going to collect guitars, you need to have a theme on the collection of your guitars. Uh, and the theme of mine is rare and vintage. Okay. So it's a little bit like art. If you know what you're buying, right, you know, I've got guitars that I would have paid uh, you know, just a few hundred pounds for. And they are worth well into the thousands now. You know, really. I'll see an antiques roadshow down the old kit uh, road, mate. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Oh well, you, you pick up like a nineteen fifty nine Gibson Les Paul. You know, you 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 probably worth more than your uh, houses. So, out of your twenty eight, what's the one that you you really love but don't touch because it's so valuable? Uh, I have a nineteen seventy three Les Paul that just stays in its case. Yeah, really. Uh, but I've got nine nine Gibson 
those Pauls. I'm a big fan of them. That, that's my main guitar, yeah. if you like, really. I've had guitars built for me as well. You know, I've had one where um, I, I took three different guitars around to a guitar builder and I said, right, okay, I want it to, when I'm playing chords, I want it to feel like this one at that end. And when I'm in the middle of the neck, I want it to feel like this one. And I gave him a strap. Uh, and then when I'm playing at the top of the neck, playing guitar solos, I gave him a different Les Paul. I said, I want it to feel like that. And I thought I was asking for something that was impossible. And the fella said to me, ah, right, do you want a compound radius? And he carved it out by hand. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and it really does. You know when you've got like, an old pair of trainers that you put? That's what it feels yeah. like to pick that guitar up and play. It's an amazing guitar. Like my football boots. Like your old football yeah. boots, mate. Oh, That's I get it. Yeah, yeah. I get that. So do you still play now? You, you, I mean, you yeah, gig I mean, in, you out? You... No, I'm still in two bands, yeah, still. Yeah. <laughs> so where, 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 tell me where you play. Where can we see you? Where, <laughs> where's it? You'd have to come to Europe to see the, the main band. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because we do, there's no market for that type of music in this country, but uh, it's a band called The Deep. And we, we play festivals in Holland, Germany, France, Belgium. Uh, so we get around sort of mainland main uh, Europe. You know, we played the uh, Headbangers Open uh, Air Festival. Or, you know, I, remember when you I remember Festival. when you told me this before, because you know, the way it was described to me by a couple of others, yeah. I thought it was just in like the Red Lion. You know, you, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It was like, you know, and then when you actually brought it to life, I'm like, how on earth are you, you finding that much time mm. to do that and be as successful as you were Sort of in in the working world because it is hard to get that work life balance. But I guess mm -hmm. I guess strumming a few tunes, mate, and gigging that is it's a release as well, wasn't it's it? It's actually yeah yeah. yeah. In, I put hundred percent into anything I do, whether it's training or yeah. whatever, and the guitar playing as well. And um, it's I work so hard during the week and even the evenings or whatever that it's just fantastic to do something completely different and do that. Mm. You know, again to the best of your ability as well. You're a Tottenham Hotspur fan. Oh, come on, you Spurs. How did that happen? Really? Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you how it happened. Uh, back in the day when I was, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight, or whatever, we'd go to the park every Sunday, me and my brother and my dad. We'd always go to the park, jump us for goalposts, yeah. have, have a kick around. But of course, when we'd come home, I'd be the, you know, the younger brother. I was the one who never wanted to come home. Uh, so I wanted to continue the games uh, when we got home, yeah. right? So we played downstairs in the flats, and then of course all the neighbours used to complain. All the no ball, no ball games. Yeah, no. Ball I remember games those sides, mate. Yeah. You mind my head? Go and play in front of their window. Yeah, that was yeah. it. <laughs> go around the corner and play in front of their window. So you got sent upstairs to go and play, you know, in, in the front room, and then it would be I don't know, maybe a rolled up bit of paper or whatever. I used to do it with socks. socks. I used to roll whatever. socks all together. Right? Socks. Yeah. And of course, you know, in them days, there'd be sideboard at one end of the front room and like the couch at the other end. Of Perfect goals. You know, there'll be six inches. Like in your but mind, isn't it? That's right. So that became our little football pitch and me and my brother used to run around. And you can imagine the noise we used to make. The poor bloke who lived downstairs, right? Okay. <laughs> so he come up one time to have a moan and he, he, he and my dad was, he used to work nights and uh, he was Italian, my dad. And a uh, fella come up to have a pop about us making too much noise. And I always remember this. My dad was polishing a pair of shoes outside the house, polishing his shoes for his Sunday best or whatever. And the guys come up and started having a bit of a pop. <laughs> my chased him off with the shoe brush. I throw you with the shoe on your head. He says, <laughs> okay, so he went legging it. But then the fella, he, he, he must have been a bit of a strategist because he came back another time with a different tact. He said, 
about I'll take your boys to a match instead of them playing. Yeah. So he chucked us in the back of his three wheeler van. It was it. He was really was proper fools and horses, mate. Yeah, proper fools and horses yeah. van. In where where were you that. growing up? Where did you live? It was Hackney. Hackney, mate. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. So we, had, you know, it's been peck of peck of New York Parish. So. so uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> And of course, you know the team. Even the guy downstairs was a Spurs fan. We we could have ended up West Ham fans. We were equidistant from both grounds. Mm. But this guy was a Spurs fan. And he took us to a Tottenham game, and I had the best laugh I've ever had as a six or seven year old kid in the back of a three wheeler van, right, with my brother. Being the guy was taking all the corners, quite, and we just couldn't stop laughing. But I loved the day, right, yeah. you know. And it was a Tottenham. Found out later it wasn't even a real Tottenham match. I think it was Tottenham Youth or something. <laughs> But that was it for me. I wanted to do that. And, you know, of course, on the way back, the fella said to him, fella said to us, here, boys, uh, do us a favour. Don't play football so much. It's so loud yeah. in your front room. It's a bit loud for me and my wife. And so he got what he wanted. Hearts and minds, mate. Hearts, Hearts and minds for test strategies, you see. Right? And, he, yeah, and he didn't have a shoe on his head. And you're a Tottenham fan. That's it. Stuck ever since. Fan. Yeah, I think I must no. have been to every Spurs, every every Premiership ground in the country. We've been to Fulham. We've been to Fulham. We've been there together. We've been there together, mate. Years gone by. Let's go back into the Builders Merchant Arena. It's something I'm passionate about. Mm. It's what we do at Foyne Jones. We recruit across that, that sector. KBB, Construction Sales, Merchant Tim. It's a world you're very familiar with. But let's go back to the, how it was then and what it is now and talk about the changing face of Merchant Tim. Mm. What, what do you see from, from a training perspective with the brilliant businesses you're working with? What do you see as the biggest challenges being faced by the Merchant Tim sector at the moment? How's it changing? Uh, I think one of the main ways it's changing is, and I see this going forward, you know, that the next 10 years are going to be a lot different than the last 20. It, with, by, by 2020, 50% of the workforce are going to be millennials, right? Okay. And they're wired differently. They're more demanding than, than Generation X was. Right? They're used to easier transactions, right? Um, when you and I started, there was, there was plasterers, there was bricklayers, there was carpenters, etc. Now these have all grown into one big bubble uh, called general, general builders, which tells you that outside of that bubble, still plumbers, still electricians, still outside of that generalist bubble. And if you look at what the nationals have done, they've set out their stall. To accommodate that, you know, with the TPs of the world, etc. Um, you know, having the CEFs and you know, Sangaban with the Graham brand or whatever to accommodate just the plumbers or whatever. But in the, in the world of general merchanting, um, it's it's all been pulled pulled together. But that tells you you need to develop your product knowledge, right? Okay, um, and go with if you have a, a look at your customers, right? A growing percentage of them are single, right? Um, average age has come down from fifty. To sort of thirty-five to forty, um, bigger customers are getting bigger. Uh, they're rationalising their supplier base more, right? Uh, they've become more sophisticated, uh, and they want tailor-made solutions. Uh, over what we're seeing is the cost of serving is increasing. Uh, so suppliers and customers are developing new ways of working together. So that's that's what I've seen. Uh, and that's the niche I kind of tapped into in terms of me, me training as well. Yeah. And, and you know, from 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 sort of your, your merchant journey ending, 
you know, because mm. you're know, top of the top, top of the tree, top of your game. Um, mm. from those days of I couldn't be a fireman at fifty five quid a week, <laughs> but I'm going to find a yard job for fifty four, mm. and and then them, them uh, hundred weight bags of cement breaking your back. You, you you're leading sales forces, you're leading businesses, you you're developing market share. You've, you've been on a fantastic. Bit. Now you're you're supporting the sector in in a different way, you mm. know, through, through delivering training packages and schemes, and you know, just talk to me about. Mm. The training you deliver and what you can offer, because I think this is something which, which would benefit my entire audience. If you look at the audience who listen to this show, we're going to be talking to a job seeker, we're going to be talking to a business owner, a CEO, an entrepreneur, yeah. but we're also going to be talking to the HR population. So ultimately, you can help someone improve their career, get on the run, develop a career, transfer into a sector. So just go on, go on, mate. Tell us what you're doing. Okay, so um, I started up my own business uh, last year uh, as a consultant, uh, and I get involved in in certain acquisitions, doing due diligence, etc. But um, the part of my business that's grown the fastest is is training, and I've spent pretty much like the whole of last summer writing and developing a range of courses. You know, anything from essential sales skills to sales reps courses to margin courses operational excellence, finance for non-financial managers. Um, I'm doing one. That's a really, that's a really powerful, that's a really important one. That is. Finance for non-financial yeah. managers. It, it really is. Yeah. And in actual fact, out of all the courses that I do, that's the one that got the best feedback. Yeah, I can uh, imagine it because, because it, because from a, from a, business owner or you know management team mm. that's going to make an immediate impact because if you're mm. if your managers who are responsible for a profit center a cost mm. center a branch mm. are suddenly more aware of the decisions they make and implications it has and they can mm. bring those because yeah you know, i want a mathematician you know yeah. so 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 understanding yeah. those management accounts i I used to get it, but I used to. Look, I was told to look at the pressure points. Yeah. You know, if we get that right, it makes a difference. If we look there, we make a difference. That mm. can have instant impact for a business, can't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, yeah. When I've done one, I was asked to put, put uh, finance for non-financial managers course together, and of course, you know, at the time I was just in the process of setting up my business. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course I could do that. And I put the phone down. Yeah, what do I do now? And how do you make that interesting? You know, so I put probably more work into that into yeah. into the finance course than I did into the margin or the sales courses or whatever. Yeah. And I've developed a few games to make it enjoyable, some Dragons Get Then games. We did some role play, didn't we? I remember we did, we we did, did some role play. play. I, was yeah. the, uh, I, was the, uh, I was the dodgy customer. I think yes, I played quite customer, well. Yeah. The, the other thing you said, and I, I, we said before we were talking earlier, um, you know, one of, the, one of the most simple things is to try and get, in, sort of get, get the process out of someone's head in terms of, you know, moment of truth of a customer. Stop, mm. stop, stop, stop. So you said, stop counting in fives. Lose the five times table. That, that was a powerful message. Yeah, well, I've seen it. You know, it, it, that's, you know, we sort of so push that one on the, on the margin courses. Yeah. But, you know, from what I've seen, before I do any courses, uh, normally I try to do some mystery shopping. If, if a business orders some margin training off me, for instance, well, I, I don't like to just do generic. You know, yeah. I, I like to bespoke my courses. So I'll go and have a look at their business and see what I can improve. And I'll go in there you know, a week before the course, and I'll do some mystery shopping. Uh, and what I've seen is pretty much everywhere I go, the guy giving me discount at the counter thinks in multiples of 5%, you know, and if I give you five off, I'll give you 10 off, yeah. I'll give you 15 off. It, and that's one of the most powerful things that I deliver on the course is, you know, look, mate, unlearn the five times yeah. table, learn the two and a half times table, two and a half is the new five, you know, seven and a half is the new 10. Um, and it, it makes a difference everywhere I've gone 
on the margin trading have either been asked back or you know it's sister brands a bit older well, you know you're, you're preaching to the converted i've i've got yeah. you um i've got you doing some um, some awareness and some training with my team today because i think mm. you know what you what you can what you can demonstrate to them is you know best in class practice what what you would need as a as an employer you yeah, know what you lucky. look for yeah i've been no lucky. you have yeah. and, and and i think that's that's you know something that that we have to talk about because mm. you know we 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 spoke about the brilliant training you're doing we focused on you know how that can help businesses and help people but that i met with two two different managing directors of merchants last week and people were was really on the agenda mm. you know there was lots of other things discussed but but where are the good people how do we find them how do we develop them attract them retain them mm. that was very much on the agenda on the yeah. agenda um mm. and you are probably one of the best examples i know of mm. someone who you can work with as a as a partner you know so we can we can help mm. you find people but you can you see beyond the now and you look at the potential in someone because yeah. uh, you really develop people from all different backgrounds and, mm. and experiences into mm. stars, haven't you? So, so, yeah. so how do you do that with those rough diamonds, mate? Because it's something you're, you you you're evangelical about this. So, talk to me, mate. Talk, <laughs> you really are. Yeah. Well, I mean, like say, I mean, I suppose it, it stems back to you know when someone saw that little bit in me, I kind of want to complete that circle now. So yeah. I'm kind of always on the lookout for it, right? Um, and it's not hard to find. The attitude. Um, I'll relate it to a football story. Right? Go on, mate. When 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 my lad was six or seven, he used to go and play play, play in a team, local team, and then the local scouts used to come down and watch um, the, the football. You know, the kids playing football, and we were talking once to the Arsenal scout, and uh, said to him, "Look, mate, they're, they're seven years old. What, what are you actually looking for?" You know, and uh, the, the Arsenal scout said something which was. It stuck with me ever since as well. He said, and what I'm looking for is on a wet, cold Sunday morning, when a team goes 5-0 down, I'm looking for the kid that rolls his sleeves up and says, come on, lads, let's win 6-5. Because that kid has got a fantastic attitude. Now, I can take him, bring him back to you know our training ground. We can feed him the right things so he doesn't get fat or whatever. We can, we can put a board up and tell him where to stand when there's a throw-in or a free kick or whatever. We can, we can give him a ball eight hours a day. We can teach him all them skills, but we can't teach him his attitude. So I'm And I think he's right. And I've always used that in interviews. You know, I, I, I scratch the surface and look for attitude because I just think that to continue, continuously improving world, the job, whatever the job is now, is always going to evolve into something mm. else. So what does the guy's learning curve look like before he comes? Right? And when I see someone who's got that... I just think it's worth me investing my time in them to develop them. And, you know, I, I can think of guys that I've had. Probably my best example is, is a lad that came to me. He was travelling and uh, he was a New Zealand lad. And I gave him a job as a box boy right, in Castle, uh, which was, you know, cut the cardboard boxes open when they come in from suppliers, put the product on the shelf, chuck the cardboard in the cardboard skit. That's it. That was his job. He's now... The director of the largest builders merchants in New Zealand, one of the directors, because the fellow had such an amazing attitude. And I thought, okay, well, I can teach him sales, and he, he really took to that well. I taught him operations. He, you know, he, he took you know duck to water. He had a, an amazing attitude. Just, I think the trick of it with him was just stretch him all the time. Yeah. Just keep stretching him, keep stretching him. And whatever I gave him, he he done really well. Uh, and I and I've got examples of people that, mm. that I've I've worked with you, and you've you've taken into different businesses, and they've gone on to to mm. great things. And and that yeah. that and that that's really 
where I see the, the mm. sector struggling now it is to identify a pathway for talented people mm. of any age. You know, you can be a mature employee, mm. a, a mm. young employee, but it's giving you a pathway to succeed. Yeah. And, and, and one of the sort of projects that we're, we're launching this year, it's another reason why you're here today, is we are putting together an inspirational panel, a, a Foyne Jones panel of inspirational mentors, because mm. what we're trying to do as a, as a recruiter, as a as a support as a support partner to businesses in the sector, is not just you know identify you know the best people in the industry, but actually put together a strategy and a plan where they can be supported. They've got someone to talk mm. to. And we've signed up some amazing people, and I'm delighted to announce that. Michael, Carson, you're going to be joining us as, on the panel of mentors, aren't you? Oh, absolute honour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and you, you're going to be brilliant to have on it. I mean, you know, we've got a we've got a, we've got a brilliant war veteran from the Afghanistan war. You know, mm. David Oleg. So that says it all. <laughs> you know, and, and if David Birrell is probably the most inspirational person I know, he won't mind me saying this on there. But mm. if so, you know, talking to him makes me feel better about myself because. Yeah overcoming that is amazing mm. we've got you know managing directors from really well-known businesses mm. in in the merchanting world yeah. i've got um a retired bricks and mortar retailer you know who was who, who worked his way up through every size of uh box at, yeah. at kingfisher led led the launch of a business in dubai come back and he's retired at 50 56 years of age makes you feel a bit sick but you know but he's he's going to bring some advice so we're going across all of our sectors so we'll have a mentor in kbb we'll have merchants in mentors we'll have you know just general mentors to help you do well with your life and i've got a brilliant lady called tony tony mcclellan involved she works with young offenders you know mm. kids that are perhaps turning turning left in, in the flats rather than turning right yeah. so we're gonna we're gonna have we're gonna go sort of a real cross section yeah. and we're gonna bring that to life for anyone mm. that works with us or anyone that wants to get into the sector so fantastic to have you as part of that Mick. that's really exciting man This leads us to my favourite part of the Foyne Jones show. It's our penalty shootout. Our penalty yeah. shootout, Mick, is um, <laughs> do your laces up, mate. Okay. Um, strum your guitar. It's five questions on your kind of your two two favourite interests outside of work. Okay. So we're going to be talking Tottenham Hotspur and we're going to be talking music. So All right, okay. question one. Yes, sir. Favourite ever Tottenham player? Oui. Um, I think... Got to be Glenn Oddle. Glenn I Oddle, knew you'd say Glenn Oddle. You used to have the haircut as well. You? <laughs> you, look like, you, look, you look like young Kevin Keegan. Really yeah. yeah. Glenn Oddle, what a player. Um, yeah, he was fantastic. He, uh, I think I was there at one of his first yeah. first games, I think. Yeah. You know, he come on as a sub. Yeah. Just a young 17-year-old kid. I was there. I met Glenn Oddle once. I don't think he'll remember, but um, mm. my mum... I mean, I'm a Fulham boy, as you know, but my mum mm. remarried and moved to Hertfordshire, and um, mm. I went to school there just for like half a, half a school year. It didn't work out for me in a Hertfordshire mm. school. But but Glenn Hoddle come to the assembly once, okay. and I actually thought it was God walking in. You know, was, because he was, uh, was yeah, I mean, you know, it was, uh, what was it? it was about 85, so 80, you know, 85, 86, so height of his, you know, Glenn Hoddleness, if you yeah. like, and, and I was a Fulham fan, so I never get, got to see good players, because uh, we, <laughs> no, we were down in Division 3, that's old Division 4 then, so, you know, and it, it was just, and I remember that, I don't, I don't know if Glenn remembers that himself, mm. but, so, so Glenn Hoddle's your, your favourite favorite ever Tottenham player, so, then we go back into music, Yeah. what was your, the first gig you ever went to? Um, mid seventies, and that would have been Thin Lizzy at the Hammersmith Odeon. Hammersmith Odeon, mate, my part of the world. Yeah, yeah. they let Hammersmith you in. Yeah, they let me in. Yeah, 
and uh, was good again. Oh, absolutely amazing! It was on a Sunday. I do remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. Uh, again, had a huge bearing on my life. You know, that's what kind of got me on the road to right. Okay, I want to be like one of them two guys there. So, Finn Lizzy, mm. first gig, Glenn Oddle, favourite Tottenham player. Mm. Question, um, question three for you, Michael. Mm. Which favourite album? Oh, that would be that was favourite album. Let me buy a steer. That would have been Premonition by The Deep. That's my band. Oh, I like your style, <laughs> mate. And that's available. And that's available to download from all Ripshaw stockists. <laughs> yeah, uh, or perhaps maybe the Life and Dangerous Thin Lizzy album. Love for Thin Lizzy's coming through, mate. Oh, mate, uh, and clear, mate. Yeah. What to- I liked most about them was they had two guitar players at the time, both with different styles. And so you could take something, you could learn something from both of them. One very melodic, one much more sort of raw and raunchy and, and, and street like. Has Tottenham mm-hmm. ever made you cry? <laughs> Has following Tottenham ever made you cry? Uh, no. <laughs> it made me laugh plenty of times. Okay. All right, that's it in the post. We go again. What about music? Ever cry? Has, has anything been so powerful from music that's made you cry? No, no, not really. Mm. Uh, no, no, I don't think so. I don't actually. I filter out the words when I listen to music. I, I really do. So you go deep into. I the, just yeah. well, I filter out everything apart from the guitar part. I kind of have this built-in sort of sound felt, and I'm not really interested in the words, the style, or anything. It's more like what is the guitar player playing? Yeah. You know, in, in one of the bands, I mean, it's a, it's a, we do a lot of covers, and you know, and we'll play stuff. The repertoire from that ranges from anything from. The Drifters and Elvis Presley right the way through to Guns N' Roses. And, you know, yes, I like rock music, but I'll probably enjoy some of the <laughs> songs like The Drifters or whatever, purely because the guitar part is more interesting to me. Brilliant. Yeah. So, four questions. We we, we, we know Glenn your favourite player. Finn is your favourite band. Mm. Football's never made you cry, which is good. And, and you know, the album, Finn the album, or the Deep album's your favourite album. Mm-hmm. So, so we're going to... Finish the, the quiz off with a question here. If you could choose between watching Finn Lizzy live yeah. at Wembley yeah. or watching Spurs win the Premier League, <laughs> what, what would you go for? <laughs> what, heads or tails? There you go. Heads or tails, I'd say watch Arsenal get relegated. Okay, so you completely get a complete game changer. That's the, that's the end of the quiz, Michael. Thank you very much, mate. Mick, can I just... just end this by saying thank you so much for coming down to Foy and Jones Tower You're today welcome, You're I've welcome. enjoyed every minute of recording this show because okay. uh, I knew you would before you arrived and it's been brilliant to be fair <laughs> Yeah, hearing about you in the back of the three wheeler van uh, that picking, the, <laughs> picking the card off at the job centre talking about when we met in McDonald's and Wands of Bridge for anyone who's enjoyed the show as much as I have and, you, and you're interested in mixed training, you know, you need to improve your margin. You've got, mm. a, a, you've got a member of staff who's got potential and perhaps needs to be developed mm. and you want to understand what this man can bring because genuinely I don't believe there is a, as engaging or inspirational person that could deliver training because training's got to be delivered. You know, mm. you, you mentioned football and at Arsenal Scout. Mm. I, I, I coached at, you know, in Fulham and stuff mm. like that and... Anyone can pass the badge. You know, you can you can learn the drills, but being able to deliver the drill yeah. and get people to want to go to work for you, go to war for you, mm. you know, roll their sleeves up for you is an art, and I think you've got that in abundance. Mm. People can follow you on LinkedIn, can't they? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. follow you on LinkedIn, get in touch. If, if, you, if you want to know more, 
come through me here at Foyn Jones. We, we, we'll put you in touch because I'm looking forward to doing more with you in partnership in terms of attraction, recruitment, training, onboarding and development because yeah. we want to support people on their journey and their career, not just getting them through the front door. It's keeping them there and making them be successful because it reflects well on my business. You're going to be a fantastic mentor for us. Thank you, sir. Be brilliant. So that's the end of the show. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about Foyne Jones by visiting our website or connecting with me on LinkedIn. We at Foyne Jones, this is what we do.